Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Summer vacation is here. We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Kevin Bowen and Chris Presley. Friends on the podcast, enemies this weekend as Chris's Vols take on my Irish <laughs> in the Knoxville Super Regional. Um, CP, you were saying that uh, Tennessee is the greatest college baseball team of all time? They are saying if they win the College World Series, which that puts a lot of pressure on them, and as they are villains of baseball, and you and I were kind of discussing that college baseball is different than obviously MLB. There's no really given rules, but there's some. Um, it's rowdy. The bat flips, the crowds, you know, I saw a lot of Vols Twitter saying don't sell to Notre Dame fans, keep everything orange inside of uh, the stadium this this weekend. But, yeah, apparently if they win the whole thing, they could arguably go down as the greatest college baseball team of all time. Wow. Well, seven losses in one year is not very many. Right. Um, so that is extremely impressive there. Um, I currently am eating a burnt Pop-Tart, so it just <laughs> – I mean, that's just a bummer, you know? On a Friday, the rare Friday pod is just kind of a bummer. Guys, I ran into Kevin in the kitchenette on the way down here to the podcast. I was like, how's Friday going? He's like, I burned my Pop-Tarts. I mean, I was lucky it wasn't burnt more. I was pre-recording for Monday, just our open or our uh, teaser or whatever. And, boy, I got lucky I got out there before it was as you know, black as my cell phone here. Um, I'm Kevin Bowen again. He's Chris Presley. It is the rare Friday podcast. Basically, why is this? Um, mini camp ended yesterday. Wanted to make sure we got through all of that. We probably, this will probably be the pod for next week. I hate Friday podcasts. I, I don't know if our listening audience wants to chime in. I feel like not a lot of people just listen to them. Um, then you get to Monday and maybe it's gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. So I'm hoping that this will have some sustainability through next week as well. And we'll continue to do podcasts throughout the month of June into July and training camp, which no official start date yet, but I'm guessing that final week, like July 27th, something around there. As always, Twitter questions, and this will be a heavy OTA takeaway podcast. Uh, Chris, let's begin with Kenny Moore. That has probably been the most popular topic over the past several weeks now. I think Darius Leonard might rise above that, but let's begin with Kenny Moore. He was present on the first day of minicamp, the mandatory por- portion. His stay on the field did not last long. Um, he got hurt early in a seven-on-seven period, and uh, didn't look anything too bad, but for precautionary reasons, they held him out. Um, I've said all along, I feel like DEFCON, this is very small. I don't think this is a huge ordeal. Is Kenny Moore upset? Is he... Does he think that he's not properly valued? Yes, I believe that. Uh, is it going to get to the point where he sits out a day of training camp? I'd be surprised. I mean, Chris, it's $50,000 if you sit out one day of training camp. Yeah. One day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a big, big number. It would have been 15000 had he sat out a day this week. So I just don't see it getting to that point. Now, what can you do? Does Chris Boward sit down and say, all right, we'll guarantee some of these final two years? Does... He say, if you play really good football, we'll rip that contract up and we'll re-sign you next offseason. Does he add some incentives to the deal and say, all right, you were a pro bowler last year. If that rises to an all-pro, 
you know, you're going to get X amount of money. I mean, those are some things. But as much as I can sit there and say Kenny Moore is slightly undervalued, which I believe, I, I don't believe he's the 27th ranked corner in the league. I do agree with him. He does more than just a slot corner. I, I kind of confuses me how people continue to label him just a slot corner when he lines up outside quite often. I look at it and think to myself, there are two years left on this deal. And in the NFL, that is a decade. Two years is a long time, especially for a non-quarterback. And the Colts, under Ballard, already rewarded more pretty handsomely on the previous contract. You just can't set this precedent. And there are some precedents I disagree with that Chris Ballard is a firm believer in. This is one that I am lockstep with him on. I mean, if you do this, what does Darius Leonard say at one point? What does Braden Smith say at one point? How are those Michael Pittman negotiations going to go next offseason? They're already going to be difficult given the position he plays. So, um, you know, I don't think this is too abnormal for NFL teams to be going through this at some point. I, did you catch any of the Kenny Moore presser earlier this week? To be honest with you, I did not. But I know also when you talk about the money, and this is apples and oranges, DK Metcalf's going through the same thing. When you are on a, a certain contract – Missing days and OTAs where you're going to get fined, it's a lot of money. It's not something that you can really cough up. It is, but then it goes to another level. Right. In training camp, you know, it would have been 15000 31000 I think 46000 the three days this week. You get to training camp, you miss one day at Grand Park, it's already above all that. It, you know, it's already at 50000 right. there. Um, but no, what, what can he say? You know, it, it's weird, Chris. I, I don't think... Kenny Kenny seems like a good dude. You know, I, I don't pretend to know him super, super well. Seems like a pretty good dude. I think the media sessions can get a bit awkward at times with him. Just he's just not the most comfortable in those settings. Like, you know, you walk into the locker room back in the day, and uh Eric Ebron would be like, eh, eh, come on over, guys. Eight five out of the shower. Come on <laughs> over. Yep, yep, Jack. You mind going eat lunch? They uh they, they kind of need to spread out around my locker here. Eric Ebron fits a guy that wants to hold out. Like, he would have the good personality to be like, I can explain to you in every single way why I should be paid more. For Kenny, it's kind of awkward. It's just not him. So, I felt almost bad for him the other day. Like, he feels like he should be properly valued, but I almost feel like he needs someone else to kind of do the public side of it. It's just, it's not comfortable for him, which is a great quality. I think it shows how he is, but... And again, does, do you think it's because of the new agency, to a degree? I think that is driving a lot of it. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think the Stephon Gilmore thing of just seeing how much he's making and realizing that, you know, Kenny brings some strong versatility there. And Gus Bradley spoke to the media this week. I think Kenny's role is still going to be huge in this defense. I mean, Gus was, you know... And, and Kenny used the phrase, I wear a lot of hats. I, I think it's a great phrase to use in describing his game. I mean, Gus Bradley's like... He plays zone, he plays man, he blitzes, he helps out against the run. I mean, that's a lot for one position there. So, <laughs> And Chris Ballard's sitting there like, man, Gus, Gus, stop. You know? <laughs> we know. We know what he does. Right, right. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how it gets resolved, assuming it does. Again, I don't expect him to sit out. Um, he definitely didn't commit to being there day one of training camp and on the field. He definitely didn't say that in in you know Stone, which if you're his agent, you don't want him to say that either. Mm-hmm. 
But the old saying, Chris, of deadline spur action, I believe that'll happen here. Well, one of the other big stories, Kevin, if you want to touch on this now, obviously Darius Leonard is going to have surgery. Frank Reich is positive or hopeful that he, as long as he is back by the start of the season, he's totally cool with it. What do you have? Any Anything more on that? Chris, <laughs> by the way, Pop-Tart still tastes great. <laughs> it's just a little weird, the whole thing. Just a little odd. And it's a very multi-layered oddness to it. And I'll try to kind of sift through it all. So, we know Darius Leonard played through the ankle injury last year. And Chris, at times he looked like you or me, and at times he was the best defensive player in the NFL. More often than not, the best defensive player in the NFL. He was outstanding at times. So he gets the off, and he had, you know, I believe, I think in Leonard's words, he had two procedures on that ankle this time last year uh, to try and kind of, you know, get rid of whatever's been ailing him. So this is something that has gone on for longer than a year now. Um, and then it was just weird how, like, Frank Wright comes out Tuesday and he's like, all right, Darius is out west, he had back surgery. And then, you know, Leonard's talking to Pat McAfee, trying to kind of, like, clarify the thing. And then Frank Reich's mentioning yesterday, no, I mean, these are still different injuries. We do hope now that he's had the back surgery that the rehab he's doing can help the ankle issue. And then he threw in calf. And, like, you throw calf in with this fan base, and rightfully so. Oh, my God. You know, it's like button down the, you know, batting down the hatches. Let's, let's head to the basement. Um, Let's go here with Reich using the word surprise two weeks ago to describe Darius Leonard not in the practice field. Okay. Really weird word to use. I was surprised he was not out there. In that you're surprised the recovery is taking so long. You're surprised that Leonard didn't want to be out there. Like, you know, that that's it's not a word Frank Reich typically uses with guys and their injuries. Then the very next week, he says... There's been a lull. It's time to take a pause in the rehab. And again, at this time, you're all thinking it's ankle related. And, you know, we're just kind of kind of reassessing things or whatever. Then he has surgery. So it's been just kind of three weird things. I tweeted out yesterday, and I'll just read the tweet. You know, Leonard is not, he's never afraid to interact on Twitter. I tweet out yesterday <laughs> at 156. Frank Reich says the back and ankle slash calf injuries for Darius Leonard are different. Says the two areas are connected at some point, but said they are different injuries. I tweeted that out because that was the day after the McAfee clip where it, it seemed like we were just talking about one injury here. Mm-hmm. Whereas Frank made it seem like, no, the, there are different injuries here. So that is at 1.56 p.m. I tweet out Darius Leonard's name. I don't tag him in it. But I tweet out his name. You don't need to tag him. <laughs> you do not need to tag Darius. He utilizes the search function very well. Yes. Uh, he does follow me, Darius. Thank you for that. If you're listening to this podcast. He then tweeted two minutes later, these folks must don't be communicating. Laughing, crying emoji <coughs> three times. Is that in reference to right? comments like it's just all like really weird you know Leonard Leonard, like he enjoys the cryptic tweets Mm -hmm. I think uh, kind of something that he goes with there it's just 
all kind of odd to me. It's, do you th- do you think it's in reference maybe the, the training staff or does he have a personal doctor that's not communicating with the Colts right. and things of that nature? You know, has this been misdiagnosed for over a year? You know, how does right. it? You know, it took this long to realize? Oh wow, he might need back surgery with that. Um, I think at the end of the day, because again, it's all very confusing to me where we're at. It's confusing from the sense of how the injury's been diagnosed. It's confusing in that is there a lack of communication on the same page between Leonard and the organization? You know, is that what he's meaning? So basically, in summary of it all, I think it's odd. I think the length of the injury is odd. I think Reich's comments, lack of clarity, two separate issues, Darius's tweet, all of that is weird. And it is just one of your most important players on your team missing. Mm-hmm. Eight or nine months, whenever he gets on the field at Grand Park. Because, again, Frank Reich says he's going to miss some time in training camp. But if everything goes according to plan, he'll be ready to start the season. And as you're installing a new defense, it's a guy that brings great energy that is missing time. And I get there are people out there that are like, guys, he played through an injured ankle last year. He'll be fine. It's a slippery slope to want to do for another year. Um, and at 215 pounds, you know, when does his body, you know, that's small for a linebacker. It's what makes him so good, but that's also small for a linebacker. So I just think this has kind of moved to the top of the list. This to me is like bigger than Kenny Moore. This to me is bigger than Matt Ryan. Where's Leonard at health wise? Is there anything else that needs to be, I mean, you get back surgery in June, I'd rather have my back surgery in February. And and you know, and it's a, not to take away from ankle injuries or things of that nature. Obviously, he has to utilize those and have quick quick twitch and all that stuff. Just like with T. Y. Hilton, a back and a neck, we're talking very different body parts that are crucial to an athlete, especially one that Certainly. is that is coming up and making car crash collisions on every single play. Certainly, and you know, his athleticism is his peak. You know, obviously his instincts are terrific, but he needs that athleticism, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish I had clearer details on things, but it's just kind of a weird situation. And he's so critical. Mm-hmm. We know that full well um, to what you're doing. I know we have some more Twitter questions on it, so we'll probably hold off on there. A couple other OTA notes, mini camp notes, I should say, Chris, before we move on. Uh, Julian Blackman is a fast healer. You talk about defying the odds. Like, he is out there. He jumped yesterday. They ended practice with, like, a you know a, a Hail Mary drill. And this dude jumped and acted like it was the Hail Mary to end the Super Bowl, to knock down the ball. And it was like a walkthrough pace. I'm like, you have got confidence in your Achilles that is just absurd. It's remarkable that he was out there doing full speed seven on seven for three straight days Yeah, this past week. It's not like he took a day off. I don't remember him... S- you know, coming out of those sessions like too, too early in terms of a pitch count or whatnot. So, guys, Julian Blackman's going to be on the field week one. I mean, unless there's some crazy setback, he's going to be on the field week one. And right now he's, what, eight months removed from the Achilles? I don't even know if he's eight months. So that is great news there. Um, Alec Pierce, I think, looks smooth. I think he lo- you, you watch him, Chris, and you're like, yep, that dude comes from a family of athletes. And, you know, we aren't in full pads. It's not bumping outside to the nth degree um we'll obviously see what's going to happen um with him and just how 
he handles more of the realness, you know, if you're going to kind of rate, you know, how real this time of year is. I think the passing game is somewhat real. It's not obviously all the way there. Uh, but I thought he started to get more and more f- first-team reps, and it doesn't look too big for him there. Um, what else? Yeah, Hines. I should probably talk Hines. Yeah. You know, he was drilling a little bit with the wideouts. There was a play at, um, at Wednesday's minicamp, which I just think kind of fully encompassed what Hines' role is going to be about. Ironically, I think he did the first play of the session. Then he goes over to the side field and fields a couple punts from Rodrigo Blankenship. Now we're at, like, play number four of the seven-on-seven first-team session. So now he's back with the offense. He lines up at a, out at a wideout across from Brandon Faison, who really has had a nice spring. I think Isaiah Rogers has been the best player on defense in the spring. But I think Faison has had some nice moments as well. So Faison is 31. He's looking across at 21, Hines. And, you know, if I'm a corner in the NFL and a running back lines up across from me, I'm thinking, all right, you little jitterbug. You're doing something within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You're going to try and juke me. It's going to be a quick hitter, and that quarterback wants the ball in your hands very early. Right. Hines runs a route, very similar to that. He plants. Matt Ryan pumps, and boom. Hines is upfield, and Faison is praying there's a safety over the right. top. <laughs> and there's not. And in stride, Matt Ryan to Naheem Hines for a huge gain. That play, that sequence, you know, he's a punt returner for two plays. Now he's over here lining up as a wideout. Hell, he might have been a running back on that first play. It's everything that Hines can be for this offense. And again, that type of route tree is like, all right, can he give you that of like, I'll lull you to sleep a little bit with these underneath stuff, but Mm -hmm. then we can do that as well a little bit more over the top. So... I think all the Heinz hype is very real, um, and we'll see how it all plays out. But no Jonathan Taylor due to precautionary reasons this week, so Heinz was clearly the guy at running back. Matt Ryan continues to look good, man. Um, I was talking to a Colt scout earlier in the week, and I kind of was like, you know, more of a pro, you know, right? Isn't that? And he's like, well, I mean, that's some of it, but. Separate that. Don't say, like, necessarily how he handles himself as a pro. Just watch the ball come out out here. Um, And I have. And it comes out quick. It comes out in a bit of, like, a not a no-look manner, but, like, those guys are not, like, sitting there with their hands up waiting for the ball. Matt Ryan is throwing that ball before that, and then those guys are turning around, and it's beautiful timing. Now, again, to our earlier point, there is no pass rush. It is still a red jersey, not in full pads yet. So there are growths to it, but you want to see the quarterback excel in this area. I mean, this is the calmest of the drills that you're going to do at Grand Park. So throwing it with anticipation, processing things at a high level, going through your progressions, all of those things, Chris, I feel like Matt Ryan has done a really nice job of. Stephon Gilmore did pick him off the other day, really nice play. Uh, defending, yeah, it was a good, good pick. Yeah, defending Desmond Patman there. Did they put out that that video? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they did. Um. Lastly, Chris, on the pass catchers, I would continue to sign a veteran wideout. I, I didn't think the wideouts were poor by any means. I thought the tight end group struggled. I uh, didn't like what I saw from Kylan Granson. Uh, Jelani Woods, uh, uh, you know, 
it's rookie minicamp or it's veteran minicamp of his rookie year. I'm not, you know, I just think it's a lot to kind of put on his plate there. But um, just I think they're going to miss Jack Doyle. I think the dependability and the reliability and the consistency that Jack Doyle brought, I think, was taken for granted a bit. So I'd go out and make a veteran wideout move. As of right now, we are recording this on Friday morning. They do have an open roster spot. We'll see how long it is open. But maybe they make a move there. So you go wide out to kind of help mask the tight end deficiency right now because we have four, or would you potentially go get a veteran tight end? I, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I, which I don't, I don't even, I'm, and I'm asking this without even looking. Right, I, right. I don't even know what veteran tight yeah, ends are out there. So out there. I'd probably have to take a look at that list. I, I'm saying that in like, it's not like I feel overly confident in the wideout group either. I'm just saying. Just get a pass catcher in there. You mm-hmm. know, somebody that can catch catch the football there. Um, Ogletree did have a couple moments that I was like, all right, it's a nice player too, but just in general. Yeah. Too many drops from the tight ends. Just too many guys that don't look comfortable catching the the football. Um, so we'll obviously have to monitor that through training camp. We've got daily notebook recaps, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, up on the website, 107.5 The Fan. So there's a lot more in there on that. Some Ryan Kelly at right guard stuff that I thought was a little bit odd. I haven't seen this time of year. The Colts caution that it's just emergency-type situations, mm-hmm. but still I'd never remember them doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, <coughs> yeah. don't you want the new center to work or the new quarterback to work with the new, the, right. <laughs> yeah. the center, you know, the most reps as possible there? Uh, a little bit of hot rod stuff in there, just how long he feels like he can make a kick. So check out that up on the uh, website. Awesome. Well, Kevin, do you want to get to Twitter questions? Let's do it. All right. First one's going to come from Adam. We talked about Darius Leonard earlier, obviously, as the biggest story right now coming out of many camps. He wants to know, with him being hurt, does this open the door for undrafted free agents like JoJo? And you can help me with some of these words. Domon? Yeah. Yeah. Do- Doman, Doman, Doman. I don't know. And James Skalski? Yeah. To get enough reps to shine and greatly increase their chances of making the final roster. He, Adam works in Nebraska right now, and a lot of his coworkers are diehard Husker fans nice. who believe that Doman is going to be a stud. Well, if we need a place to stay for the College World Series, maybe we can hit up Adam. Yeah, I'm you down. Know? I'm down. I think your Vols are going to be there. Plus 140, I saw Chris Presley. That's wild to me. Nothing against your Vols, but, like, it's baseball. You know, can't freakish thing happen, happen in baseball? Yeah, they can't. I mean, they almost lost in regionals last year. Uh, but I don't know. They are... A uh, kind of once in a generation team, it seems like. Okay, um, undrafted free agent. Yes, uh, I will come out with the fifty-three man roster next week, and JoJo Doman, Doman, whatever he will be on it. Actually, he was on it before this week, Chris. Good special teams guy, you believe? Yeah, and you know, I I, I look back at um, the cutting of Jordan Glasgow this week. A guy's been a special teamer for a couple years. He's been banged up a little bit as well. Wasn't even participating this week. Um, so that kind of opens a door as well. But I, I thought he would make it anyways. Um, you know, Matthew Adams is gone. So, I mean, there's kind of some of that second-tier linebacker stuff that is open there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sterling Weatherford, the Cicero native, we'll obviously see what happens there. You know, uh, Doman has an impressive resume. I think he was a safety-turned linebacker at Nebraska. He was around the ball, made a play earlier in the week. There was no Zaire Franklin uh, for one of the sessions earlier in the week. So, I believe he is the one undrafted free agent that I have making the roster right now. 
Yeah, and it looked like he was at the. It looked like he was at the combine, just based off a of Google search. He yeah, might, he, it probably was. I mean, again, he had a nice college college resume. We're going to jump to a question from Josh with the supposed improvements with Gus Bradley, Yannick and Nak- Yannick and Nakwe, Stephon Gilmore, et cetera, on defense. How poised are we to withstand prolonged Darius Leonard absence? Yeah, Josh, I um, I understand the question. You definitely have improved at other spots on your defense. I think that will help you, you know, kind of maybe get off the field on a little bit more of a normal routine basis than being so reliant on turnovers. But let's not act like Darius Leonard is not one of the more unique defensive players that's been in this league, frankly, in quite some time. Um, I mean, no one has done what Leonard has done from a takeaway standpoint in eons. Uh, sure, <clears throat> is EJ Speed a guy that the staff has always liked and you feel like he should be blossoming into a nice player? Yeah, but Leonard literally stops drives and gives the offense the ball in favorable situations. And that's just rare for a linebacker to do that. So withstand, I guess that's probably a good word to use, Josh, but Leonard can help take your defense from surviving to kind of thriving a little bit there. So... I think you would, if if he were to miss time, you would be missing a lot in the playmaking department. So, Kevin, for Travis, and I think a lot of people, depending on how long these injuries last with Darius Leonard, he he's reminded of Bob Sanders, a guy that he feels like kind of outplays his own body. And he can see a time where the effectiveness was reduced week to week last year because of the mobility and injuries. Does that affect the odds of a second contract for Darius with the Colts? Yeah, Travis, fair question. I guess if you want to get technical, it'd be a third contract. Leonard, rookie deal, signed the extension. So it would be a third contract. Um, Yeah, you know, Bob Sanders is probably a bit harsh. I mean, Bob Sanders missed a lot of time. Well, I mean, Leonard didn't miss a game last year, I don't, outside of the COVID game. Um. Look up how many games Darius Leonard's missed in his career. I'm willing to bet it's less than six. Four years for Darius Leonard. One plus three is four, plus two is six, plus one is seven. Seven total missed games in his four seasons. So, I mean, Bob Sanders had missed seven games in two months. Right. Um, nothing against Bob. I mean, right. hell of a player. He just couldn't be out there. So, um, I, I, I think that might be a little bit unfair. But at 215 pounds, at linebacker, Speed and athleticism is a must for him to play at the level that he's at. Yeah, I mean, by the time this second contract gets over, he probably will be pushing 30. Um, He was born in 95. He turns 27 next month. So, yeah, I mean, any 30-year-old linebacker, you're probably going to be hesitant to give too, too much to. Um, The Colts certainly would fall into that group based off past precedent there. And what Leonard looks like at 30, we'll obviously have to wait and see. This gets back to the earlier point, Travis, of, you know, ankle, calf, and a back surgery. You just, it's just wear and tear that it can add up. And are you overcompensating for other stuff? You Mm -hmm. know, are you favoring that ankle? So now all of a sudden, um, you know, I always think about this of like, someone that breaks their leg, now when you rehab that, that left leg, for example, now is that left leg stronger than the right leg, or you tear your ACL in one of those knees as well. So I think that's just kind of all part of it. But I'll go back to what I said earlier. To me, it's just the the weirdness of it all 
is probably what stands out to me more than like I'm fearful Leonard's going to miss ample time. It's an ankle injury that's lasted longer than a year that had two surgeries and now has needed a back surgery to recover it. It's the Frank Wright comments and the Darius Leonard comments seemingly just murky and just weird and kind of cryptic tweets. And now, you know, it's one of your most important players missing time with a new defense. So Yeah, no, and that makes total sense. I mean, I will say that I'm not an athlete whatsoever. I mean, obviously high school sports does – I mean – we all, everyone listening to this podcast probably played high school or middle school sports. Broke my ankle two years ago, overcompensated for that. Now I have back pain, knee pain. I can't imagine what an athlete who's trying to come back and revamp would go through. So I think you're correct in, in the aspect of the overcompensation from other body parts for Darius. Certainly, certainly. And again, we're, I mean, we all have had, and I guess, I don't know, did he have back pain? I mean... Reich said yesterday these are different injuries. I mean, when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, there's something back-related and there's something ankle-related as well. Ankle-calf area, I guess, right. slot that in there. So, at some level, we are talking about two different injuries here, and that is what I think is concerning, among other things. Mm-hmm. All right, four more quick podcasts today. Jason wants to know, everything that he's read recently in the national media about Gus Bradley has been slightly negative or neutral, none of it very flattering, on the flip side, Matt Eberflus seems to be getting a lot of praise from the national media, and a lot of that's probably because of Chicago and big area. Did the Colts settle for a defensive hire, and is there anything that the front office did to not attract a better candidate because he feels like this defensive roster is very solid and a coaching hire that someone would want to come to? Interesting. Um. I don't know. Have, have I seen a lot of negativity with Gus Bradley? I, I don't know if I've seen a lot of it. Um, I think guys love playing for him. I, I know that might not necessarily equate to great defensive success there. I mean, from a resume standpoint, he's got a resume, and I think that is something that attracted him to you know having a pro bowler at every level of his defense now that he does have here in Indianapolis. So I, I don't know if settle is the right word. Um you guys, you guys know I've long been a believer of it's time to do something different on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think I'm going to guess, Chris, is the national media or the Chicago media likes Matt Eberflus because they feel like they're going to be disciplined for the first time in quite a while in Chicago, <laughs> you know, or something along those lines. I think here in Indy, from an innovation standpoint, from a creativity standpoint, you had kind of reached – a peak. Now, having said that, it's not like Gus Bradley's overly exotic with what he does. I did see some pre-snap disguising in minicamp that I'm interested to see more out of come training camp, but new voice, new philosophy, new message. I mean, Chris, you've got three new position coaches. You know, Nate Ollie, super young guy on the D-line from Ball State, and um, linebackers coach, uh, and um, what's his name, Smith, something Smith. Um, you know, he's been a long-time coach in the league. Ron Milas in the secondary, Mike Mitchell as well. So, you know, all of that I just think is good energy. Sometimes you need the voice to change. It's not necessarily going to lead to more success, but I thought you were stagnant and I thought you had reached 
a ceiling with the previous defense. And I'll go back to what I've said about the offseason acquisitions. If Matt Eberflus is still the defensive coordinator, Yannick Ngakwe is not here. I don't think Stephon Gilmore's here. Right. Do you want Yannick Ngakwe on your defense? Do you want Stephon Gilmore on your defense? I would assume a lot of people are nodding their heads. That's right. Saying that's, yep. they would want that. So it's that open-mindedness to say, all right, let's bring new personnel here. And let's think players, not not plays in that case. Yeah, that's where my head went as well. I mean, Gus Bradley, we'll find out, but bringing in, you know, different talent, that's that also adds to him being a defensive coordinator. Amen. All right, offensive side of the ball. Michael wants to know currently profiled on the who is currently profiled on the exterior of the line of scrimmage. Which four players do you think those are going to be taking away Jonathan Taylor? He cannot be a part of that quartet. Oh, see, I thought he was going side of Lucas Oil there. Oh, well, I thought line of scrimmage. Okay. Boy, how about that? You could go acronym of LOS for line <laughs> of scrimmage or Lucas Oil Stadium. I was I thought he meant, okay, who are going to be the four people that are out wide? Wow. Wow, you could – man, I – so I feel like it's it's the June annual question of who should be on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. Okay, let's go. Let's do that. Let's go there. So that is where I assumed he was going. I could be dead wrong with that. Um, all right, I was at Lucas Oil the other day filming something. I'm trying to think. On the front, I believe is, I think it's Leonard and Nelson. Mm-hmm. In the front, and for those that don't know, that would be the main entrance, the Peyton Manning statue entrance. Capitol and South Street for our indie audience. And then the I-70 side, a.k.a. the back, if you're driving in from the airport, that would be T.Y. I think Buckner? Does that sound right? I think it's T.Y. and Buckner, yes. you got to think T.Y. comes off and Taylor goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe you throw a thank you for the memories with T.Y. on there for a month or two or something like that? For, like, like preseason? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 that seems pretty obvious to me. Leonard and Nelson out front, and then Buckner and Taylor out back. On the backside? Yeah, I can't really think of anybody. I mean, I guess Pittman maybe could emerge, uh, but right now, no. Uh, yeah, Kenny Moore, I uh, probably not now. Um, yeah, I think that. That seems pretty obvious. So, Michael, uh, apologies if you're going line of scrimmage there. That's uh, that, Michael, I think you're correct. That is my fault for, no, for mis- mean, misunderstanding your it's question. hilarious that the acronym could mean both of those things there. Um, but, yeah, let us know if, uh, if you're meaning the other. All right, two more. This one comes from Jason Kevin. He says, hopefully this is a sobering effect that the front office, as they consider an extension for Quentin Nelson. And I'm assuming he's discussing, obviously, what we've talked about with the Darius Leonard injury. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, I think you're spot on there. I think that is, you know, Chris, it's something we've actually talked about even mm-hmm. before this of like Quentin Nelson, three surgeries in a year, 330 pound dude. I know that he's healthy now, but that would give me pause and say, you know, mm-hmm. let's not maybe sweeten that contract too, too much there. I've even thrown out the franchise tag with Nelson. I don't know. Maybe that's stupid. It's probably anti-player, which I know Ballard doesn't want to be about that. So how do you create some leverage here? And I think that is where you would have some leverage with Mr. 56. 
Well, like you said, as we head into the Tennessee Volunteers and the Notre Dame baseball Go, game. Go, Irish. This, Come on now. This weekend, we're going to go to Gary, who has a question. <laughs> He's comparing this podcast to the best era of the Lou Holtz Notre Dame football. <laughs> and if I could do a Lou Holtz, I would, but I can't. Oh, Lou, Lou, Lou. I love it. I Him and Mark Lou. May. They used to. Oh, yeah. I love that on Saturdays. Is Lou still around? I don't know. I'm sure he still does things from time to time, probably yeah. some some phone interviews, but I've not seen him on TV in a while. That's probably a good thing, honestly. <laughs> His question, and aligned with your evaluation, he has five different categories he wants you to th- ask if we have them nailed down as a Colts, uh, Colts standpoint. Okay. Left tackle, stud wide receiver, stud quarterback, lockdown corner, and pass rusher. So he says lockdown. How many of those five do you think we have locked down? Okay. Um, boy, that Pop-Tart, man, that really was key. <laughs> that really set me up for he, a good rest of the day. There. He's back, folks. Yeah, much, much needed there. <laughs> okay, nailed down, locked down. Um, you know, Pittman could be that at wideout. You know, I think in you know he says stud wideout, so that's just one. I think in today's NFL, you probably need a little bit more than one at wideout. Uh, you know, when you think about quarterbacks, certainly it, it's a no because um, it's all about moving forward to me right. and looking, you know, kind of three to four years down the road. Defensive line, um, you know, is it Quiddy Pay going to be that guy? Is Ngakwe going to get re-signed? You know, he he's in a contract year, so. Boy, Gary, I don't know if I say anything nailed. Certainly not left tackle. I mean, we'll see if Bernard Ryman is that. But um, corner, I, I mean, kind of. Can I really like Rodgers? I know some people are like, well, you know, he's not going to press, and you know, he's not the best tackler in the world. I'm like, all I know is when the ball is thrown towards him, that dude gets his hands on it. So, say what you will about it, but he often makes a play on the ball. So, you know, Gary, I – I think there's been swings in trying to nail some of this down. I mean, obviously, Ryman, you know, a Pittman-Pierce combination at wideout. Defensive line, you know, Quiddy, maybe throw Dio into the end group. Um, Ngakwe, if you re-sign him, you got to think he's got a few more prime years left as well. But I don't know if I can go nailed down. Because when I hear nailed down, I think, what do you have – are you, are you nailed down at left guard for the next three or four years? Are you nailed down at will linebacker for the next three or four years? Are you nailed down at punter? You know, just like things like that where you just don't even really need to think about it for the next couple of years. Uh, you know, linebacker would probably fall into that category if you re-sign Bobby Okereke there. Um, but, yeah, and this is the age-old question. This is the question that we've had for, for years now. I do think in this offseason you've taken a step – and some of it is in the short term, which, you know, to a degree, sometimes that's all you've got, you know, is to work in that short term. You have taken a Matt Ryan stab at quarterback, uh, at left tackle, you know. It is a Ryman at corner. It is a Gilmore in the long-term sense there. So, you know, you have taken Alec Pierce at wideout. You have taken some chances short and long-term at those five position groups. But, Gary, this is what – this is what it comes down to, is finding those five and making sure that you have them as locked up as possible moving forward. 
All right, Kevin, that does it for Twitter questions this week. Anything coming up on the docket on 107.5thefan.com that our listeners should be looking out for? Um, We will have, like I said, the 53-man roster uh, breakdown next week. And then uh, just general takeaways from the Colts offseason program. You know, next week the rookies will still be in town, but veterans are, are gone. So we've kind of gone with the, uh, with the overall uh, breakdown there. So we'll continue to have daily content up on the website. Check that out again. This will be the podcast for next week. Um, and we'll come back the following week then with our kind of weekly summer pods. And feel free to chime in if anybody has any summer topic ideas. Got a few cooking that we can throw on the pod. But if you guys have any, always open ears to that. Chris, I don't mean it, but good luck to your Vols. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck to your Irish. Um, Rocky Top, I do think, is a great song. We sung it at Carb Day with Melissa. She was wearing a Tennessee shirt. We sang Rocky Top with her. If Tennessee wins the College World Series, I will sing Rocky Top on the podcast. And I will confirm, I'm looking into it. I know it's been two years overdue. I am still looking into the Buffalo Bills tattoo. So you're... Oh, I don't buy that for a second. Yours is a little easier than mine, and I will help you sing Rocky Top, no problem. I don't know if I buy that. You know, (laughs) it was a back... Was it a back tat, a lower back tat? No, no, no. Now, see, this is how the rumors start. No. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to go back and find the bottom of the toe. (laughs) Bottom of the big toe. He's Chris Presley. He'll be rooting for the Vols. I'm Kevin Bowen rooting for the Irish. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.